same in China, China, different, different stories. stories. We are the ones that found their way, way in, life. in a new life. Adopted babies, Adopted from, China. babies from China. Hello and welcome to ABC Adopted Babies from China podcast. I'm Tara and today I am speaking with Oh, I didn't even ask, but is it TJ? Do you go by TJ? Yes. Okay, I was speaking with TJ, who actually responded to one of my many posts on socials for asking if anybody wanted to share their story through all the, like, Facebook groups and stuff, because there's so many of them now for adoptees, and Chinese adoptees specifically, which is wonderful. Hi, TJ, how are you? <laughs> Hi. Good, how are you? So you're actually, I guess, ca- calling from, you're also on the East Coast in the U.S., and yeah. you're down in Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta, okay. How long have you been down in Atlanta? Since my eighth grade year, so 2013. Oh, okay, okay, so you, okay, because we were talking before, you, you grew up... In Massachusetts, though, like you were adopted from China to Massachusetts. Yeah, and then my parents moved to Atlanta for work. Oh, for work! I was like, oh wow, why the? How come the shift from the Massachusetts to Georgia? I guess work would make sense. Yeah. Whoa, was that was that a bit of a transition? Because I think eighth grade years, about like thirteen, which is like teenage years, was that sort of was that tough at all, or was it like, oh, it's like somewhere new? And well, I mean. Weather-wise, that's, like, an adjustment, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, a complete different world. I've always been the kind to just deal with changes and just go with the flow, so it really wasn't much to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's a... We could backtrack, but, yeah, I always like to ask, tell me more about yourself and about your adoption and what you would like to share. I was adopted into a white family, and both sides were completely different. My dad's side of the family are Catholics, traditional. They don't like dyed hair. They don't like piercings or tattoos or flashy clothing or, like, slang words even. My mom's side of the family, they're all felons, addicts, alcoholics. I spent most of my childhood around my mom's side of the family So I witnessed all that stuff as a child, as a young child. My parents got a nasty divorce, and my dad, This for years I've been saying that he was strict, but I later found out that he was abusive because Mm. younger me described him as mean, strict, like childhood things like sleepovers, uh, going to games and dances and stuff. I didn't get to do any of that. I had to worry about working at 12 years old. Mm. Uh, yeah. At 17, when I was in school and already working two jobs, my dad was about to put a third one on me. And I, that's when I decided that I wasn't going to finish school. And my mom was upset about that because a young child... I always was into, like, that medical stuff and science. Yeah. And then I turned 20. I, my 
abusive ex-boyfriend. He's gone now, so don't worry about that. Mm. Um, then I meth, and then through the trap of basically addiction and abusive relationship. So, yeah, there's just a lot of... Why talk about it is because I want other people out there to know that not every adoption story is perfect. Yeah. To basically spread my story in awareness and stop stigmas and just help people feel less alone. Mm. Wow. So were you were you adopted at a very like young age too or Yeah. I was adopted at eleven months old from mm. Guangzhou. Oh, okay. From where again? Guangzhou. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, like, southern China, maybe. Yeah, I looked it up on a map, it's, like, really close to Vietnam. Yeah, okay. Well, so it's, like, you were adopted, and I guess your parents hadn't gone through their divorce yet, but, um, do they, do you ever know why they decided to adopt? Because it seems each of them had a lot of, like, personal struggles or a lot that they internalized, and then... Uh, I'm, I, I, well, I'm guessing it's like they didn't adopt after you or they didn't have children of their own after they adopted you, right? Or So, they're both older, older when they adopted me, like, mm. like younger 40s, keep on, like 20 plus years ago. But anyways, they're older. They were born in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. My mom had... I actually have to like count on my like hands, like because you know, siblings, you know, are older than my parents and have kids that are my age. Uh, so my mom had my sister and two brothers biologically with one. I had biologically with wife number one, and then after a couple marriages they found each other and they wanted a baby but my mom was too old to have a baby and they decided uh, to adopt me i see okay wow gotcha and then okay and that leads up to like yeah your childhood sounds pretty that sounds yeah it's sad but i just like to think of it as character development I mean, a strong character development, because it seems, talking to you now, that you've definitely had to work through a lot of, I think, I want to say it's, like, tougher challenges that most individuals at a young age don't really encounter. Uh, well, I'm sure there are many who do, but I think from an adoptee's perspective, or adoptees I've spoken with, I don't think I've heard a story with as many, like, big adult challenges in it as what you're saying, too, because I think you you mentioned even... I guess it's like when you moved to Georgia too, it was like your later teen years and then, then I guess you met, uh, unfortunately, like an abusive ex-boyfriend and then dealing with addiction too. I can't imagine like how much, well, I guess you said character development that really is, but that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of character development. I want to say something else. Like that sounds like a lot of effed up stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I remember at 12 years old, I was lying about my age saying that I was 18 and this was because I had to work. My dad wanted me to work. Mm. And, you know, 12-year-olds should be interested about 
going to school, well, that's kind of mandatory, you're 12, but going out and having friends and going to sleepovers and um, finding themselves, finding their personalities, their sense of style, what they like to do. But no, 12-year-old me had to work. I lied about being 18 years old because my dad told me to. Uh, Basically, so if you're working at 12, it's illegal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, was that about 10 years ago? Because you're, you're, you're 22 or 23? 22. You're 22. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's only, that's only like 10 years ago. Yeah. My goodness. So, did you, I guess you stayed with your father then when yeah. moving and everything. I lived with my father because the courts put me with him because they didn't see my mom fit to take care of me because she knew that the family was the way they are. Mm-hmm. And still put me with them, so the court said, "Nope, she's going yeah. with her dad." Uh, okay, so is the I guess is your mother probably still in the northeast or um, no? Also in Georgia. Oh, okay, I guess they did move. Oh, that's right, they moved together. Yeah, and the, in Georgia. The, yeah. Mom's side of the family followed her down, but my dad's side of the family stayed up north. Okay. Yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit before, but I, I'm not sure how much. I don't know if you've act, like done a lot of like analysis to you, like how much of your experience attributes to adoption, like how much of it just I guess the circumstances of like where you were brought. I mean, well, obviously, like being adopted, you were brought into this dynamic that was, some, I mean, sounds very unhealthy and toxic in many ways between both of the parents. But I'm sure there's also there's research out there that says a lot of internalized trauma from when we're adopted, before we're even adopted, like as babies is there too, you know, being brought from a different culture. But we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, and it's like, only a few months ago you discovered about adoption trauma, and I'm wondering, did a lot of your journey come from, like, your experiences with your family, I guess, Um, or? Yeah, my family definitely contribute to the way I am now. Mm -hmm. Both sides didn't believe in mental health, that addiction is a disease. When I finally started getting help, I realized, like, oh, I'm not actually a bad person. I just have been struggling for years, and I needed help. Yeah. Like, that, because when I learned all these things in therapy, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's why I'm the way I am. Like, I found out that I have anxiety, depression, PTSD, borderline personality disorder, and psychosis for years unmedicated raw dogging it dealing with it yeah it sounds like oh yeah was therapy something you were able to start did you start that before the pandemic even or was it like after i guess it was like when the pandemic first started i didn't have tiktok and then i downloaded tiktok out of boredom because i was out of work because i was furloughed i i worked in they still didn't have their children so they filed this whole thing with the um oh my god so we still got paychecks but we just didn't go to work yeah i downloaded tiktok in that time and i guess i liked one video and then they all you know the algorithm brings up the other videos and i was like wait a minute i relate to a lot of these maybe i should get help oh so tiktok isn't always bad I was gonna say, it sounds like TikTok helped you discover that uh, there's a lot that you like. Oh, I need, I got, I got a lot I need to process now. 
whoa, okay. So you were, oh, but you were furloughed, yeah. Furloughing, I think furlough from jobs is a very common thing, and I guess you were also qualified for unemployment too, right? So you were able to get unemployment, and yeah. I, I, I had done the same thing too, yeah. <laughs> Quite as much money not even working. <laughs> the irony, right? The yeah. irony of that. And then, did you, were you able to go back to that job now? Uh, now that it's been, I guess, what, almost three years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's, I, I work for my brother's business, and I just do, like, at-home babysitting, nannying, stuff like that. So I don't have to worry about going here at this time and have and lunch breaks and coworkers and bosses and all that. Nice. Oh, okay, so... You can, oh yeah, you're kind of doing like, I guess, the freelance independent work kind of thing. It's like you, you can nanny and babysit, but you can also work with your brother's business. So it's like, oh, get a little bit more flexibility. I'm also trying to get into content creating that I wanted to share my story and spread awareness and help stop stigmas and just help people feel less alone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think talking about the harder, I mean, what people a lot of people consider maybe like the harder stuff especially in your history is it shouldn't be yeah it shouldn't be stigmatized either and it's like it, it still probably is unfortunately but yeah anytime i think sometimes when people tend to like bring up stuff that's like sad or like really negative in some ways although it seems like you've been working through and still continue to work through like how to process it and i want i don't want to say it's like the hero's journey but i think that's what they call it because, I mean, everybody's got those, like, really tough times and good times. It seems, in your history, though, in your experience, it's been more tough than good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I remember 19 or late 2018, one of the two. One of the, the older kids was talking to me at um, the kid I used to nanny. The pers- the child you were nannying was asking you something about YouTube? Yeah, I was asked, if you could do YouTube, what would you make videos about? And I was like, I don't know. I don't have an interesting life. And then now I think of it because you can talk about adoption. You can talk about a parent's divorce. You can talk about family dynamics. You can talk about addiction. You can talk about abusive Mm -hmm. relationships. You can talk about growing up with neglectful and abusive parents. Mm -hmm. So a lot to endless conversations. I mean, it sounds like you didn't even have time to really talk about the transracial aspect. I think about your transracial aspect. You were dealing with the surviving in other ways. Yeah. Because uh, I think that is a large topic that a lot of us probably end up, like, thinking about as we get older, too. It's like, oh, like, culturally, where do we fit in? Yeah. Well, it's also to point out, too, because I think you said your father was like, oh, you can't have dyed hair or piercings. And I was like, oh, we're talking. You definitely have dyed hair and piercings. Like, you have red hair. And, well, and my dad. He goes against their grain. Oh. Like Do you feel like you have a close, a closer relationship with your father? Or I'm, I'm, has it been up and down and it's just kind of like at this point and just but figuring it out? It's just cut off. Cut uh, off. Mm-hmm. Being on meth is really what intensified it. It's never really been the same, same. after that. Because meth was one of the few things that was in my control. Like, the divorce and the way my mom's family is and the way my dad is is not my control, but meth was definitely in my control, and I continued to lie to him, go behind his back, mm-hmm. and 
do stuff that I shouldn't have done. Mm, I see. Yeah. How long ago, uh, I guess, have you been out of addiction to meth for a few years now, or just uh, it's been a recent development for you? Just about a year and a month now. Just about a year and a month? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's like a, that's kind of, that's actually pretty new still. I think a year is a really short time frame when we think about it in a, like a broader perspective too. It's like, because you were working instead of going to school and then you've always been interested in sciences and like medicine. Do you think you'll, you want to work with that at all? Well, you did say first aid and CPR class through Zoom, which is a whole nother question of like, how do you do CPR through Zoom? <laughs> but, they just, they just said like, those like slideshow presentations and they just showed videos and like okay very interesting to learn on a hands-on topic yeah a video call mm. oh i guess you get that for certification purposes too to be like a care child care provider too as well right yeah yeah they, the fire and cpr first aid like once a year now i don't know it's been a minute okay is your and then is your brother's business related to child care too or no that's like a separate uh, uh skill he's into like home improvement so flooring and redesign bathroom oh. backsplash pretty much almost anything he can do it okay contracting yeah wow yeah. those are wow so it's like your skills with the uh, the child care really come in handy with contracting in case there's an injury <laughs> it seems well when i was working at a child age the work that i did was secretarial like yeah. calls, answering emails, balancing checkbooks, running social media, just random petty stuff like that. It's just what I do for my brother's business. Oh, so yeah, you definitely have the skill sets and experience to start creating content too. Yeah. It's mostly just like setting up, I guess, setting up like the format you want to do and how to like go about making it too. Which is great, too, because I think there, there's a lot of adoptees who are, like, YouTubers, TikTokers, and I guess Instagrammers, too, I'm sure. That's, like, they just you, you just see the content everywhere. It's like, oh, wow. I can't imagine where we'll go from here. Like, I, I, what's next? But it sounds like you're on that you're on that mindset of, like, all right, we're starting the next wave of whatever's going to happen. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, I didn't expect to... I never know what to ask sometimes until it's like we start conversing and like talking and like and then the questions just kind of come. So if any questions are like really personal, you don't want to answer. Let me know because I was like, oh, whoa. So like your dad, are you close? No. Uh, uh, oh, I'm an open book. I'm trying to be a content creator. So I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you seem to have a pretty level head considering a lot of these events seem to be newer as well, like the discovery but adoption trauma, was that actually, like, TikTok that helped you? Because I think TikTok is a really big platform where adoptees and adoption content is actually on there already. Yeah, I actually, when I first started getting help, I wrote a cute little adoption trauma list. Um, I don't know if you just want me to uh, read it out or... Yeah, feel free to share if you like. Starts off with... Abandoned at birth, lived in orphanage. Unknown medical history, no way of finding any of it. So I don't know. Well, you know, too. You don't know what illnesses you're prone to or what you can right. 
Yeah. Insecure of identity since very young child. As young as four would wear sunglasses to hide eyes. Mm. Still introduced as adopted Chinese blank by my family members. Being reminded by my own family members, I'm not 100% of the family because we're not blood related. Certainly did not help with that either. Family expects me to be perfect and good at everything just because I'm Asian and chosen and also expects me to be unconditionally grateful despite what they've said. Used against me in fights as in, why are you arguing with your mother? She went all the way to China and paid all kinds of money and brought you home. Stupid questions, comments, and racism, mostly from my own family. Told that I'm a broken Asian when I mess up. Fetid, fet, ugh, I cannot say this word. Fetishize, fetish. Oh yeah, fetishize. Yeah. I was in, you're never going to believe this, but I was in a in the Target parking lot. And this white woman came up to me. And she said, I would make a good prostitute because men like small Asian women. I was like... Wow. I didn't in a Target parking lot. Yeah. Take that to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> there you Take go. Dollar General. I don't know. <sighs> People only see me as my race. I hope you know what I mean by that one, mm-hmm. right? Because that's like one of those things that's in my head, but I just can't explain it. Well, only a minority in both sides of the family. It's it's really othering because yeah. you're like none of them look like me. I don't like. I don't act like either of them so it's just hard to fit in people expect me to be a certain way just because i'm asian like smart talented mm-hmm. over and then adoption trauma is invalidated because when i read this list to my mom when i finally had the courage to she was like is that really how you feel i was like this is why i said it to anyone mm. oh wow you actually shared that with your mom not your dad though just your mom just my mom yeah well damn most about adoption that we've ever talked is basically that list because I never got the full story of what I should have gotten because when as a kid, I just got the, you're adopted, you're not our biological child, we still love you as our own biological child, you look different, you're a different race, you're adopted, just like plain and like that, mm-hmm. as basic. And I knew from really, really young that I was different. And I was ashamed that I was different. I was also ashamed of my eyes because people would point it out. So I wore sunglasses all the time. I had a sunglass collection. And I would even wear sunglasses inside. Mm. So what my parents should have done is told me to not be ashamed of my eyes because they're different. They let me hide my eyes. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, that's like something we can't really change about ourselves. Uh, Well naturally can't change about ourselves i should say because we do know people do can cosmetically change what they want about themselves these days so that's a different story but (laughs) yeah that's it's like a lot to unpack i feel like you definitely have a lot that you could share i think uh even like addiction and everything um like that's big components but i think the story the story the list you just shared a lot of people could probably relate to from an adoptee perspective as well. It's like, whoa, wow, okay. So I usually insert a break. Well, actually my first question is like, do you think you would want to live in a different part of the US or like go live somewhere else? 
apart from Georgia? If I had to choose what states to live in, I'd choose either Georgia, Massachusetts, or New York. The family that I nannied for when I was 16, they were from New York. They had those, they made those classic New York dinners, had the accents. And, mm-hmm. and plus, New York seems like really pretty. Even like the outskirts, upstate, I don't know, it, I would like, I would love to experience it, honestly. Okay, yeah, because I, I know you mentioned you're in Georgia and then from Massachusetts, and I didn't know if, like, those towns that you were in, uh, it sounds like there's not a lot of, like, Asian representation there, or there's not, like, a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe. Well, there are diverse parts, but I just didn't, like, live in them. Okay, and then where you currently live in Georgia, is it, like, a little bit more or a little less? I guess it depends. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just mostly like white, black, and like some Hispanic. Mm-hmm. But like up in Massachusetts, like that Townsend, Pepperell, Lemonster, like through Concord, the area that my family lives in, white. White. Yeah. White. White. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's like your. Well, I guess your parents must have met, must have met in Massachusetts too. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Your parents were a lot. Of, well, I guess older really is what I think of as like young forties is a lot. Of, it's definitely older, and adopting then is because uh, I guess they're now what in their sixties. Sixties, sixties, almost getting close to seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was very like I always felt awkward when it was, like, bring your parents to school for, like, a conference or mm. field day, whatever. And then here comes little Asian me, dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes, with my white, older American parents. Blonde <laughs> hair and green, blue eyes. Yeah. You know, kids, they have no filter. So those little kids in elementary school, they're like, you're, you're her mom? Like, you don't look like her. Right. Are, you, are you sure you're not her babysitter or something? Right. I know, and that's why having things out there to even be able to share with children or kids, too, and, like, have open conversations, like, hopefully there's, like, there'll be less. I mean, there still will be that because there are, depending where you are in the area and how people raise their kids and how they are themselves. Yeah, yeah that's going to happen, unfortunately, all the time. But hopefully this type of stuff, this type of content allows for like well here's a youtube video on how you can learn about (laughs) this topic instead uh, children's books are becoming more yeah where i don't know how to say that like they like my nephew's birthday was a week ago and when i was looking at books because he likes books like there was some i saw about like different races and different Mm -hmm. disabilities I was like, yeah, I didn't even have this as a kid. Right. Oh, yeah. And there's, um, I think there's a handful out there for, like, being Chinese, essentially. And I think there's a couple, like, adopted ones for sure that I know of. I know there's a lot more, but I know I think even as a kid that I saw ones about, like, being Chinese, which I didn't really understand why I was reading that until, like, I was much older. It's like, oh, I see. It was very sweet, though. It was like, at least, you know, to an extent. It really depends. It really depends. I 
I sometimes attribute to it's like oh it might be just like a generational thing like because my parents are also older getting older grandparent age of course and but they still were trying to implement and like introduce like Chinese culture so like you're you are like a Chinese kid yeah so it's like it's tough when well it's tough when families like emphasize not emphasize what you were saying it's like where they didn't even where they like allowed you or like encouraged it encouraged it almost like encouraged for you to like hide who you are it's like yeah damn, that's no wonder why you've got okay so that's that's adoption trauma for sure it's like no wonder why you have like called this trauma that you've been unpacking now rather than before yeah um, when the shootings happened in atlanta last yeah. year yeah my dad he called me up and said they're hunting asians stay inside i'm like that's it what? like i had to look at the news i'm like what is this man talking about and then i saw this dude start up asian places yeah i was like you could have worded that better dude yeah it's a delivery like it's it seems like that's coming from a place of like care because you are his daughter but also yeah it's like how that delivery seems a little bit rough could have been a little bit more finessed you know yeah right. same thing explaining to child me that i was adopted and i look different yeah because it's harsh you're like you're adopted you're not biological but we still love you as our biological child i was like could have made it a little more kid friendly not as harsh yeah. because i was insecure of my identity at four yeah I at four trying to not have my parents near me at like seven mm-hmm. yeah uh, there's there's i don't know that's there's not like a class well maybe there are classes for this now but uh, some people will just be who they are it seems like that's that's right I, when you said alana like that that did remind me it's like oh wait yeah you're you're probably like not I mean, Georgia's a big state, but Atlanta itself, I don't know how big of a city it is either. It's like, oh, but when that happened, like, how was, you know. Atlanta and Metro Atlanta and, like, you know, not the rest of that, they're, like, completely different, too. Okay. Yeah. My mom once asked me, like, out of the blue, she was like, have you been hate-crimed yet? I'm like, and uh, she literally asked like that. And I said, no, the most I get is just, like, rude stares. And she's like, oh, okay. And then went back to playing on her computer. You're doing whatever. Mm. Yeah. Again, it seems like that's coming from a place of care. Just the delivery is a little bit uh, awkward. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like, wow, the, everybody in your family would have ginger shoes. Like, this is adopted Chinese. Yeah, I know. It's like, why do we have to, like, emphasize this part of the identity? Because it's like, I'm already dealing with that every day. Don't need to be vocally reminded every day, right? And that's probably something that's, like, you've been vocally reminded constantly. It's like, can I just be Tia (laughs) without the whole entire... Wow. Do you think you'll ever want to go back to China? Do you have any desire to go back to where you're adopted from, or...? Google Maps is enough for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my past, I th- just think it's better for me to stay in the house. Mm-hmm. As much as I would, I'd probably like to, As it would probably be good for me to, but no. <laughs> I made some poor choices. I've had some bad experiences. So I'll just stick with looking through Google Maps and TikTok and YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's like the process. It seems like the processing, because uh, I think therapy in itself can be a very, it's a pretty strong experience sometimes to like go through therapy and really start to like tackle yourself and all the mental health that of, I don't know, like 20 years or so <laughs> that you yeah. are there. Um, yeah, so it's like take it one take it one step at a time. There's just like no rush to. If we've learned anything in the past two years, two and a half years, can't rush anything. Yeah. It's like yeah, the more you try, it's like the more you're gonna, I guess, get frustrated or stress yourself out. It seems. Yeah. Like, oh, well, damn. Whew. Well. You, you can ask me like literally any question you can think of like i'm not gonna be like ah, i don't want to talk about that i know i mean i am curious more about the addiction aspect too like were you introduced to it like how you were introduced to it and then okay uh that's a tough one the, but you uh, could save that too you could also save that for when you start creating videos or something too it's like i don't want to spoil it all your content <laughs> oh no no that's fine i met my abusive meth head felon x one of my cousins when I was around him he was smoking and um it didn't bother me because I was around as a child family members doing meth at eight yeah yeah another thing that came before, my mother had me around family members that were doing drugs around me in front of me at a young age so it didn't face me at all when I saw him doing that there was a few times he offered it to me. I said, no, not interested. And eventually one day I caved and I just kept doing it. And at first I didn't like it. But then the more I did it, I found out like I have energy, which is something well, I was depressed at 15. I didn't re I thought I was just tired all the time. But I was like, I need like two naps to get through the day. No, I was depressed. I didn't know it. I was like, I have energy. Like, I don't have to take a nap, two naps every day. And I could carry on a conversation. Like, I actually want to talk, which is something I didn't want to do before. Right. Productive. Like, I, my room was clean. I did everything I needed to do. And I felt productive, which is something else that I didn't do. It made me feel like a regular functioning human. Mm. Superhuman. I was like, wow, I don't know why I waited so long to do this. But in the back of my head, I knew it was wrong. I was like, it's a drug. Hmm. Like, why do you need this drug to be like this? But I, like I said, I struggled for years and I didn't know. And I was like, well, it's making me be a better person. So I'm just going to keep doing it. I can control it. That started turning me against my family members, making family members lose trust in me. Uh, hmm. Yeah. That's very tough. And I think it's, I think that's a story that I guess people have heard. It's like being introduced by like a significant other at a time. And then of course, like the effects later, I guess can be long term, but sometimes it can be, well, I think like character development in a very tough way too. But, mm. The way I got off, it was really interesting. Basically, my dad lured me back to the house. He was like, come home, I need you now. He pretended to have a heart attack, so I would come to the house. And when I came to the house, he was like, you're not going anywhere. Give me your phone, give me your keys, and like, 
epochs me basically like being in jail just like locking me in a room throwing away the key i didn't have my phone so no one could talk to me i couldn't talk to anyone if someone wanted to talk to me they had to come to the door when my dad was home and talk to me that way or had to call my dad and talk to my dad so my dad could talk to me if my dad had to go somewhere i was going with him or he was having it brought to the house um if i wanted food I'd have to go with them and we get the food together. Like anything that you could use to talk to someone, like a computer, I didn't have that either. The Xbox, <laughs> nope. So it was like being in jail the way I got off of it. And he kept me in the house for multiple weeks. And he told me, if anyone asks you what happened or where you are, say you're sick. So I did. I told people I was sick. Mm. Okay, so it's like he... It's like a detox for sure. It's like a, yeah, it's like a detox, but your father did it versus all my cut. All my transportation was cut. So yeah, it was just like being on house arrest and grounded at the same time. Yeah. Well, then it's also like the detox from that. I'm sure is the other component too that you add to that. It's like oh shit. Uh. Like, (laughs) I guess you just feel gross and tired mm. sick out of it damn yeah I've, uh from what i understand it's like withdrawal symptoms and everything to go through that it's like e- uh versus i guess going to like a facility or something your dad was like nope here we go your dad diy your dad diy the detox and then when i wanted to go out and do things even something as simple as going to the store, going to get coffee. Uh, I had, like, a time limit placed on me, like, you need to be back at this time. Uh, You need to check in with me here and tell me you're at this place with these people. Like, I was a brand-new teenager with their license and new car. Mm -hmm. And that took a few months for him to get over that. Mm. It's like a place of love, for sure. For sure. Uh, still, yeah, like, uh, how long was it that, I guess, were you on meth for? Was it, like, a year or two, or was that? Um, see, that's a good question, because I actually have to sit and think about it. Um, about, like, six, seven months. I oh, didn't get okay. It, but I got to the point where I was choosing it over family members. Like, my grandfather died during COVID. He didn't die from COVID, but he had a stroke, mm-hmm. died in the funeral, was held during COVID times. I thought meth was more important. Mm. I was, you know, doing all that stuff where I should have been with family. Damn. Things like that. I just wasn't with family. I, I guess your dad also had a similar experience, like, with your mother, too, like, going through the process of, like, being of addiction, too, and working with your mom or trying to help her. Yeah, I tried to hide it i actually successfully hit it for the first month mm. and then i don't know where i'm trying to go with this but yeah i got to the point where i just was only coming home just to like grab clothes and leave mm-hmm. and have like a dog to take care of and i'm stuck taking care of your dog you have a big old fish tank in your room i'm stuck taking care of your fish tank yeah um, we have friends and friends coming over here 
looking for you, asking where you are, and I got to tell them I don't know. Mm -hmm. Making me worry because you've been out so long, you don't check in with me. Mm, Yeah, so it's like breaking the trust and then eventually having to build it back up again is something that took some time. Damn. Oof. And then, but then you said currently it's like your relationship is like you guys are, uh, you, you don't talk at all, really. With my dad, no. Yeah. Damn. It's, a, it's a very, very complicated, these uh, family dynamics. It's like we want to be there for our family. At the same time, it's like what do you have to do for your, what can you do for your own self? And like what, how do you do that? So it's like a. Seems like a double-edged sword when it comes to, like, the family part of it and then the whole aspect of being adopted by this family. And then you had it in your list, too, and I think a lot of us can relate with, it's like, being grateful, but it's like, we didn't choose this life. Like, so do we have to be grateful? But then events that follow in our life, it's like, uh, it almost gets pointed back to, like, the adoption aspect every time. It's like, well we brought you here so we care about you we love you and I'm sure our parents do I think you the stories you've shared too they have shown they care and they love they love you but it's just like the way they do it it's like oh okay um yeah so I wonder it's like where are you at with your your journey right now because I think 22 you're also pretty you're very young as well it's like you've got got you got time and more as the years pass and as things happen things could shift or maybe not and then yeah so where I guess where are you at currently do you think you'll want to do more and connect with like more adoptees and like meet more because I don't know if you've met a lot it seems like maybe you haven't had the opportunity to meet a lot of people I um I like being involved with the sisters of China group Mm -hmm. social media talking like even on the podcast helps I'm like I'm connecting with another person that has created something very unique with me who you know yeah. not everybody here is adopted because like you know yeah. um in september i'm going to the 30th anniversary for ccai mm, yeah garden i don't know if they had one in like the northeast area i'm pretty sure they did but they're big celebrations in colorado nice very cool yeah i'm sure that'll be uh a very huge like big big step for you too it's like oh wow being surrounded by many adoptees at once i think it's hey sometimes going big in those instances is helpful and hopefully you'll find ways to like work and meet people that's great yeah well, i guess sort of concluding i always uh i ask is there anything you'd like to hear from other adoptees or anybody that adoption has affected? I just want to say to non-adoptees, be mindful of what you say to us because it's out of our control and we're people too. I want people to see us as humans before they just see us as adopted Chinese yeah that's not our whole identity oh yeah yeah there's there's more to us than just that it's like eh. well i hope to be able to hear more about your your journey as you keep going and be able to connect with others too i think that's a huge part of being able to 
process a lot of what happens and what will happen to and hopefully at some point it becomes just just like oh it's just like a part of who you are not like a defining feature because it, it seems based on your stories and experience so far it's like you're really entering into just the beginning of like this is a huge part of like my identity and hopefully uh, I mean other aspects of things in life are also part of your identity so it's like where where are you it's like your mind is probably just everywhere I can't imagine how now that I've gotten help and I've had time to just Mm-hmm. reflect without you know one bad thing ha- happening after another even the being adopted it makes me realize what I want in life I just want to be a mom and a wife mm. um, I never had the chance at having a real family if you think about it number two parents divorce there goes another one number three both sides of the family are completely different mm-hmm and number four, they both live across the country from each other. So, and then being a mom, just to, I, I want kids, and I want to raise them the opposite of the way my parents raised me. I don't want to have them suffer the same things that I had to do, because mm-hmm. I want them to have a happy, loving, healthy childhood not be like me where I was 12 mentally 40 years old yeah oh because you have the experience and you've been a nanny and you've babysat a lot it seems like a part of you really wants to be able to like care and raise somebody as well that yeah a part of me just longing for my own family Mm -hmm. and create is the only way I can get a whole family now Mm -hmm. I don't so depressing but yeah I told this to my mom and she's like oh you said you were never gonna get married never gonna have kids I was like yeah because you and dad I didn't want it because you two but being around the kid I nanny their family and then taking him to his events and seeing all the other parents and children be happy and stuff it, it made me think like oh, so a relationship is actually supposed to look like this. A family is supposed to look like this. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like what you what you experience will definitely impact, like, what you feel. But as you see others or as you grow, too, it's like that can change. I and mean, we can go back and forth. Nothing says you have to, like, whatever you decide now has to be set in stone. And whatever you decide in two years has to be set in stone either. It's like we're allowed to change our mind. It's like it happens. I mean, usually when you have a child, it's hard to change your mind, and adoption shouldn't be, like, the only way to, like, fix that situation, but, yeah, it's, like, well, because I think even when, and I think, I can't imagine that anybody who has a child, and they they do end up giving that up for adoption or not, um, it's, like, you can't, that's going to forever change how your outlook, too, with having your own children or not, so it's, like, but... Yeah, I agree. I think I've, I can definitely empathize with you here on this one specifically is like seeing other families because and like nannying or seeing, yeah, seeing other families and how they interact. It's like, wow, there really is like there is opportunity to have a happy family by creating my own. And then also I think meeting other people and having close friends outside too. it's like in a way you do create your own family through that those relationships, too. And then you have the family that brought you here, too. It's like, yeah, it's complicated. Not all of our relationships are 
not every adoptee's experience is great and not every adoptee's experience is like awful awful either there's the in-betweens and we can like continue to navigate those but yeah. yeah i think family and being happy is like ultimately what we all look for it's like and what that means to each person is going to be different that's that's where we're at <laughs> yeah it was very psycho psychological very like a therapy therapy of me to say but <laughs> i don't know if your therapist does that too but it's like yeah you know just just do do what makes you happy right now and i mean you're human we're all human it's only so much we can do Oh yeah, would you like to share like your do you I don't I don't know if you have Instagram or not, but would you like to share your Instagram or Facebook name? TJ Rosie, but Rosie is spelled like R O Z E Y. Mm-hmm. Obnoxiously spelled because that was the only Rosie that I could get that wasn't taken on all the platforms. I see. <laughs> <laughs> it was like unique to only you know, all that. I am on TikTok and I'm on Instagram. I want to get into that, and I also want to get into the auditing stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. When I do get married, and I'm going to get married uh, this winter, I still will keep the TJ Rosie name as my, like... Yeah, like your public. Yeah, but keep my, like, married name private. Yeah. Oh, oh so you are going to get married? Yeah. Whoa, okay. Wow, I was like, what? <laughs> Well, I guess congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Well, you said winter, so that's like, uh, oh my gosh, it's August. It's August. Yeah. Like a few months from now. Also, another message I want to share to adoptees is even if you are like me and you have gone through hard times and made poor choices, find somebody that will love you for you unconditionally because it really means a lot. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds cheesy. But some people are like, oh, if you're this, it's a deal breaker. Like, no. Mm. That's, that's a solid way to end, I think. <laughs> it's like, that's solid advice. <laughs> okay. Well, TJ, it was really nice to speak with you. I appreciate you reaching out and being so open about, like, everything that's happened with your experience. I think it's a true testament of, like, why we have a way to do this, honestly. That's all for now, or goodbye for now. And thank you for listening to ABC. If you would like to share your story or reach out, it is adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Instagram and Facebook. Yay. Now I'm going to look for you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs>